Hello, my self-improvement family. It's Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. And we're all about finding new ways to realistically incorporate more personal development into your day and life. We're all busy, and this resource is meant to help you take that next step, whatever it may be. Every weekday, I share a new two-minute episode about a mindset, approach, exercise, observation, lesson, or theory that helps you better understand how you want to show up in the world and go about doing it. Be sure to subscribe if you could use some of that in your life. But today's episode is different. It's a self-improvement sit-down. This is where I talk in detail with industry leaders and tap into their expertise. What you're about to hear is the most real conversation I've had on the podcast, talking about real situations, real insecurities, and real life. This is self-improvement sit-down number 49 with Quentin Allums. And we are live. Today's guest is Quentin Allums. Quentin started in 2017, making a name for himself by putting himself out there, making videos on social media, utilizing stories to build an audience. His journey has been far from easy, but now he's a well-established entrepreneur, writer, and podcaster who identifies as a misfit and inspires other misfits to embrace what makes them strange and take a chance on what makes them unique. Q, it is great to chat with you. Thanks for being here, brother. Giddy, man. Appreciate you having me. (laughs) Giddy. That's a good word. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, people make fun of me. Apparently, I say dope a lot, too. Dope hey, sauce. but, but you're, you're just like leaning into it already. I'm talking about you being a misfit. And you're like, giddy, man. Like <laughs> you, you really breathe, you breathe what you speak. That's funny. Cool. All right. But let's, let's dig into the good stuff. Right. So, you know, part of this journey is like an incredible personal transformation of yours, you know, and I don't know how to say it other than just kind of saying it, which is back in the day when you're getting started as a creator, you were living paycheck to paycheck, your girlfriend left you, you totaled your car, you hurt your back, list goes on. Right. But you persisted and you believed in yourself and you made it happen. You, you made your way through it. So I just love if you could kind of start by telling us a little bit about what that time of your life means to you and kind of what was inside you that inspired you to get through it. Yeah. Um, it's a good question. It's weird. Like, I feel like I, I go through these phases and it was so easy to answer this question back in the day. Cause it was like so fresh. Um, and now to me, it seems like a whole, whole nother book, a whole nother part of my life. I was starting my first business, had no idea what I was doing. I like had done some freelance stuff, done some marketing things before that. Um, but I was offered this full-time job for this wearable tech company and another one with a virtual reality company and me and my ego back then, I was like, I don't just want to be a social media person. I don't just want to be a marketing person. I want to be an entrepreneur. You know, I'm going to change the world. And Again, I had no idea what I was doing, no skills to be able to build anything, but I launched this virtual reality startup and just fell flat on my face. Then I'm like, okay, I should probably do something that I'm good at. So let's start an agency. And I just, just literally like, again, I had no idea what I was doing, no clients, no nothing. And I just paycheck to paycheck, like I think negative $900 at one point, I remember walking out of my room, like talking to my roommate, like, yo, like if I don't have a client by the end of the week, like I'm done, I'm not going to do this. And I, I had three clients. Um, and a lot of people are like, whoa, like, that's incredible. Like you worked really hard, but like I had three clients and one of them was paying me $800 and another one was paying me like 300 looking at that now. It's like, 
that's nothing. But to me then, like that was like, wow, like people will actually pay me to do this thing. So it was that validation. It was mm-hmm. like, wow, like that, that proof for me that I was able to at least get someone to pay me to do this with my skills. Um, and from there, I just kept grinding, man. Um, and my power was turned off multiple times. Like I remember my friend asking me to sleep over one day, like he drove down from Iowa. He's like, yo, can I just stay at your place? And like, I was so embarrassed. I'm like, you know, like I'll be doing this. I'll be sleeping over here, but my power was off. Um, but he didn't, he did end up coming through. And like, I was so embarrassed. Like my, I had spoiled food in my fridge because like it, like there was nothing that I could do. Um, I turned it on that day. And I just, I remember talking to him and he's like, you know, dude, like maybe you should get a job. Like you're putting all this stuff out there. Um, and it's like, I'm sure you're doing great. Like there's these things coming up for you, but like, there's no reason that you should be struggling. And I was like, there is no reason that I should be struggling. I do have all these things going on on the side. Um, And that was really a turning point for me because someone saw me struggling. So I feel like the thing that was driving me for a long time was ego. Um, It was ego and it was anger and it was fear. And it was a lot of those negative emotions and negative things. And it wasn't until like maybe 2018, 2019, where I was like, okay, like I'm genuinely curious or I genuinely love this thing. Um, But for a long time, it was those negative things, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, you know, because if it was just curiosity and love, like I would have quit a long time ago. Um, But I don't know, it's interesting looking back now because I feel like if you would have asked me that two years ago, I I wouldn't have said that. I would have said it was the, it was the hustle. It was the need, the need to do it, you know? Right. Um, But yeah, just a dark, time in my life but a a necessary dark time for sure I mean I think it's interesting like because you talk about ego and I I do think ego plays a large role in it I mean I think it plays a role in everything that we do right but it has this label of it being the devil like the wrong thing but something that I've grown very fond of and kind of the value of accountability which I, I teach is the reason accountability works is because we're designed to escape discomfort rather than to run toward um reward you know so in in understanding that like this ego is your rejection of your fears and you trying to overcome certain things like that is a very motivating force. And if you can harness it and leverage it and persist through it, even, you know, if it brings you to like your very last kind of hours, right. Which it did to you. Um, then there's incredible power that can be harnessed, you know? So, so I think that's an important point is, yeah, that's the truth. And are you proud of it? Maybe, maybe not, but look where it got you and look how you use that as a tool, you know? So I think that's great. And I, I think, you know, something that we're similar about is kind of a competitive spirit, you know, just kind of that's built into our DNA and, you know, someone saying you can't do it, you know, that's, that's not, a, that's not acceptable. Um, Indeed. Taking the next step from that, right? Because the way that you were going about and building your personal brand and kind of moving forward was by making these videos where you're being really vulnerable and you're talking about kind of the things that you're dealing with in real time, you know, and those videos are very personal. And obviously, you know, that resonated with a lot of people because it eventually started picking up steam. Um, But at least in my case, when I started kind of creating content, I found that the people that were around me didn't necessarily understand the value in what I was doing. And there was some criticism and there was some kind of over explaining I had to do to get people to like really know my reasons. And I'm curious to know if you experienced any of that, if your friend group had to change or if you had to change in order to like really stay consistent on that path that you believed in, but other people may not have believed in. Yeah. And that's a really good question. Um, Yes, I did have to lose friends. Looking back, I probably didn't have to lose as many friends as I did Mm. um, because I put my art on this pedestal. It was something that I was, I still do. Like it's something that like, it's so important to me. Like the way that I create 
the things that I put out there like that is a part of me and a piece of me. And I'm working now to disconnect from that. But even to this day, and I'm not creating as much, at least publicly as I used to, um, even today, like there are times where, and not in a bad way, but my girlfriend and I get into it. It's like, yo, like this person said this about this video. And I'll have to tell her, like, I don't care what this person says because like, that's not my target audience, you know? But then I'll get so down on myself. And it's like, wow, like has everything I've done to this point not meant anything? Mm-hmm. Has everything that I've done to this point been confusing to people? Has everything that I've done to this point, like really not brought any value? But then I'll get a message the next day, like literally like this happened. Hey man, I saw that video that you put out about like quitting entrepreneurship and moving now to working with Lewis House. Um, how did you know that that was the right fit? Like, because I've been going through something similar and I hopped on another call with a, a scientist that works on rare diseases and he said something similar. And I was like, damn, it is resonating. Mm-hmm. Just that's my audience. This isn't, it's, I think sometimes you do have to cut out the negative energy. You do have to cut out the, the negative people, but sometimes we also confuse negative people with people that are just looking out for you or people that are just trying to learn more. You don't have to convince the whole world. Like, yeah, watch my stuff. Like, yeah, like this is great because of X, Y, and Z just speak to your people and they will slowly grow. Um, but a thing that I am still learning that I think a lot of people should try, especially artists, you know, like we've got that dark, pained hurt artists like complex whatever it's called you know like separating yourself from your art is something that i'm really really trying to learn and just allow myself to do like you are not your art Mm -hmm. you do not have to be your art people that consume it don't have to fully understand you you know like that's something i'm just (laughs) i'm trying to learn right now but it's, it's hard and maybe that more broadly relates to the original topic too which is like the decisions that you're making, you know, like, can you separate yourself to some extent from those decisions? Because if people are coming back at you with disagreements and you take that so personally and you let their opinion take up more real estate than it's worth in your mind, then you aren't committed and consistent to the path that you've decided is best for you. You know, so there is this kind of necessary dissociation potentially from your ego as it relates to the things that you're doing, because, you know, anyone can overthink their way out of so many things. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. True. No, I, I think it's, yeah, it's important. And it's, this is something that, you know, people don't necessarily talk about, which is like the difficulties of trying new things, you know, cause everyone like always sees like, oh yeah, I did this and I have this business and it's great. And it's like for every one of those stories, there's 10 stories of the opposite, you know? And, and I think that's something that you definitely have been able to provide a voice to, which has been re- a really great gift to the world. Um, I appreciate it, man. I feel yeah. like, I feel like a lot of times when we're trying new things, like, it's not like a child would try new things. Like, they're running to that thing because they're so excited. Like, wow, I really want to play basketball, you know? And then they airball and they airball again and again and again and again. Um, or they run, they're super slow, you know? And with us, with a lot of adults, it's like, I've got to be good at this thing. Otherwise, I don't want to do it. Or I've got to give the illusion that I'm good at this thing, which is not the same thing, you know? So, yeah, it's something I'm trying to embrace, just more of that childlike nature, you know? Yeah, that's such a good point because we try and... I mean, it's imposter syndrome and it's like fake it till you make it right. Like that's totally exists where people and and social proof, right? Like people try and look a certain way because they want to be received a certain way because then that will either advance them or they'll feel better about themselves. And I think there's truth to that, right? There's truth to that kind of that, like almost like flexing just to flex and like, so other people see how strong you are versus feeling strong, you know, Um, which, which then handcuffs you because 
you aren't developing in the necessary ways to become strong, right? So that, that's kind that's of- a, That's a good analogy, man. Like literally like you go in the weight room and it's like, I'm gonna try to lift the, it's like me running the half marathon and getting hurt. Like I'm gonna try to lift as many weights as I can, you know, like I'm yeah. gonna stack it up and I'm gonna load it up. You're never gonna progress if you're not actually lifting the weight that you should be, you know? Right. right. And having and having the right plan, you know, because if you're yes. doing it for other people, then you got to lift you know, or run the marathon. You got to do everything. But if the right plan is train and get yourself there, that's how you actually do it versus try and, you know, break your back to, to do it. Yeah. So, um, cool. All right. Well, let's get back to kind of your relationship with videos, because obviously that's something that you have really been able to own and grow upon. Um, but it actually has an interesting origin. So you know, the first time that you were asked to be interviewed, it was with a buddy and you said it went horribly wrong. And most people in that circumstance would turn around and say, I'm never doing that again. You know, that's not for me. I'm not good at this. But then you, you turned it around the opposite way. And you said, all right, this is something that I want to get better at. This is something that's going to be important. And you went on to like a 365 day video challenge where you like really were able to find your voice and get comfortable in front of a camera, which you've built a career around, right? So I think it's so interesting how you've taken what was perceived as a weakness and you've worked through it and you've turned it into a strength. And, and I'm curious to know kind of like where that decision came from and how you responded in that moment. Sounds like it was motivated by your ego, but kind of beyond that, um, like what, what was that inside you that told you to push through a weakness versus to fold to it? Yeah, I, w I went back and watched that video like two days ago. So it's oh, wow. odd that you bring that up. I have not watched it since the day, but my friend said, hey, I wanted to send this to you. Uh, so I watched it and I was like, it wasn't as bad as I thought, but it was terrible. <laughs> like, literally the worst thing I've ever <laughs> well, you done. You got a high standard. <laughs> like, it, it, no, it was like, like I stopped to the middle and I was like, I don't know, man. Like, can we just redo this? Like, this is bad. Like, it just, it seemed like a completely different person. But going back to that cue, like back then, tell you exactly what it was you know like i saw who i wanted to be and i like my buddy was like this amazing like he wanted to be a futurist like the way that he explained things was so beautiful and eloquent and i was like i want that then i started consuming gary vaynerchuk and i was like wow i want that then jason silva and i was like that is so amazing like he's creating these stories in people's minds i want to be like that and I was building this company and I knew that I had to pitch people and I wanted to like elicit a response and this emotion in people when I spoke um, or when I wrote or when I created something. So this was my way of being able to build those skills um, and just put in those reps without having to like pitch someone over and over and over again. And they're different things, you know, speaking to a person versus speaking to a camera. And I learned that later on, mm -hmm. but that was my way of getting into that. And it was really just like, this is who I want to be. So how can I do that? And that was the only way that I saw. Um, and it's crazy that it did actually work. And it did happen because it, like, I was just this dumb kid that didn't really know who he was yet. And I just, I saw a benchmark, I saw a target and that's what I worked on. And it, it kind of happened quickly too, you know, mm -hmm. like later it took a while for the stage, but in front of the camera, it kind of happened quickly. Like I would say like 110 days where I was like truly comfortable and I was like, okay, yeah, I can do anything. Um, yeah, it was really just me knowing who I wanted to be to the world right. and then trying to be that, trying to become that. Wow. Yeah. And it sounds like that vision was so strong that you were just being pulled to it and, you know, kind of you're pursuing it by whatever means necessary, even if it's something that you're embarrassed by and you fell on your face and, you know, now you have to get back up and try it again, you know, again, kind of relating that to a toddler, a toddler has no issue, but as an adult, we have all of these self-imposed kind of limitations and perceptions that, make that process not so easy. 
And, and I think kind of what that did, you know, you had that North star that you were pursuing. What it did is it created necessity for you. Like there was no alternative. This was the person you wanted to be. You were committed to that. So then you decided what action items were required to do that. And then it's that slow and consistent process that comes up time and time again, no matter what category or topic, whatever's happening, it's always about the small and incremental gains, not the widespread maneuvering. Right. And um, so I think that it makes a ton of sense that you were able to embrace that. And of course, develop in such a significant way, because with that necessity and through those reps, you ended up, you know, finding your voice and, and becoming, um, you know, more comfortable, um, which, which is huge. Now let's move into kind of maybe phase two of your life, um, which is the misfit, right? So you've, you've kind of been able to brand yourself and like really embrace this idea that you're a bit unconventional. You're, you're strange on purpose, right? Like you have a little bit of a nuance to you. You even did that on LinkedIn back in the day with your big hat, you know, there's just kind of a part to you. And, you know, I can tell that it's, it's just very aligned and kind of true to who you are is kind of like being this quirky person a giddy person, one would say. Um, <laughs> but so could you just tell us, because I mean, I'm not as familiar with this space. Um, I feel like I'm a pretty average person, to be honest, um, when it comes to my interests, at least. So if you could tell, if you could tell us a little bit about like, who are the misfits? What are the misfits feeling? And if there are any misfits listening, you know, like, how do they become activated in terms of embracing that part of themselves? The idea of the misfit that narrative that I really focus on building, um, which I contribute like a lot of my success to that narrative and that aesthetic and everything that I built, um, just kind of this 360 package that I built. Um, it wasn't so much like, hey, like you're so different over there, like come join my group. It was like, hey, you person that maybe you feel very average, but you've got that one thing inside of you that is very different. So it was really speaking to everybody, which could be seen as a terrible marketing thing, but was actually a very, very great marketing thing. We sold out of every single event that we did because of that, because mm -hmm. everybody has a little bit of misfit in them. You know, everybody has a little bit of rebel in them. Like maybe you're in the office, you know, and like you, you don't want to wear that tie anymore and the, you pull it off. Or maybe like you're, you're the best knitter in the world. No one knows it. You know, like everybody had a little bit of misfit inside of them. Um, so it was really, it was really that. Um, at least when it came to like marketing to everybody else. For me, it was, I just, I knew I was different. I knew it the moment I stepped onto any platform, but also I wanted to be different because I wanted people to always know that like, yeah, that's cute. He's the dude in the black hat, dude mm -hmm. that always wears black, the dude that tells story. Like I wanted you to know who I was before you even knew or talked to me just by looking at me or hearing me. Uh, but it was really speaking to everybody um, and the misfit inside of everybody. And sometimes being normal, you know, whatever that means, being normal, like that's different too, because everybody's trying to constantly like bob and weave and do all these different things. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a pressure to be normal, right? Like people want to be normal because that's just, I think that comes back to what people expect of you or what you think people expect of you. Like, oh, this guy is not he's not that weird. You know, like, I, I feel like there's that resistance to being abnormal, but what, what the reality is like people know everything about themselves and they only know a fraction about anyone else. So it's so easy to see everything normal in someone else. And it's so easy to see all of the abnormal within yourself. So I think that's so interesting. I didn't realize kind of the narrative of the misfit was that everyone on earth, if you've got a brain, you're a misfit because you identify that way because you know, details other people don't. So you being able to, it's not necessarily speaking to one specific person, it's speaking to everyone, but in that very specific way. 
And I think that's just as important, you know, in terms of like targeting and segmenting your message is like understanding that. So, so when it comes to maybe this kind of interpersonal dynamic then, because, because, and I'm just exploring this, you know, this is interesting where you kind of recognize that you're a misfit. There are things that are different about you. And that's because you know so much about yourself, you know, like how can you engage in conversations or put yourself in spaces where you allow people to kind of start expressing their misfitting nature. You know, it sounds like you have community groups and events that like that was part of it and people would become more self-expressed. But like, yeah. is there a way for you to kind of almost be an ally for misfits in allowing people to be more expressed and kind of helpful? And, and what have you found has been successful in kind of working in that capacity? For me, it's just being intentional about the spaces that you design, mm-hmm. whether it's digital or physical or even like a piece of content, like intentional about the way that you design it. Um, but I'm, I'm fascinated by like physical spaces. It sucks because COVID, but I had so many plans before all this happened. Now I'm about to launch this exclusive like clubhouse um, slash Zoom digital thing. Um, I guess the best example for that, intentional about spaces. Um, we did this event. It was a mental health event. And basically we chose 30 people didn't really know each other, super intentional about who we chose. And we said, hey, do you want to come to this? Gave them no details. Um, They're like, yes or no? People that said yes, we had 30 people. They came in, they walked in, no idea what they're getting into. They got a time and place day of. Walk in, they get a number on their hand. I was zero, so zero to 30. Um, They see all these weird things, a person on a piano, person playing guitar randomly, like a bar, like cameras, lights, a soapbox, a stage, me and my hat, just like doing weird things. They walk in, eventually I go up on the stage and I'm like, yo, welcome to our experiment. So immediately I set the tone, like you, you're in an experiment. This is something new. This is something, something different. Um, and I said, you all got numbers on your hand. Yeah. They said, yeah. So I said, I'm number zero. This is what it means. It signifies a number and order that you're going to come up on stage and you're going to share prompt is what are you struggling with or what have you struggled with what have you been struggling with and then i just started talking i was like this is what i struggled with and then the next person this was intentional number two was one of my co-founders wife Um, she went up and she talked about like abuse and like wanting to commit suicide and all these different things and she set the tone for the entire night and going into that night i expected five to ten people to maybe go up that's a time that we had a lot of but every single person in that room went up every single person. And there were some other things that we did, like interrupting people with a, a note on the, the keyboard to let them know that their time was up or there was 30 seconds left, like other things like that. But every single person went up. And then we created this film around it. One, there's peer pressure and seeing other people go up. And it's like, well, I want to go up, you know, like we're intentional about the space, but we also had it very compact. So you feel very close to people. It was silent. So you felt very intimate, like being very intentional about what you do and how you do it and who's there, like that's everything. If you want people to share, give them the space to share and create that space for them to share. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what, like spaces and just physical spaces, like there, there's stories there and there's so much power in like how you set those up from like the layout to, to who's in it, you know, like I, I love, love, love stuff like that. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I mean, that video is incredible. I remember watching that. Who knows? I can't remember when, but I remember it really standing out to me and it being such a unique experience. And it sounds like not only was it unique for the observer and how it was documented, but it was also very unique for the participants. And and I think there's something very interesting there, which is by creating a normal and being intentional about your design, you can very easily create a sense of comfort or a sense of 
um, almost being complicit with that environment and like an interest in participating in that environment because you've established that norm. Something that relates to this specifically um, with my girlfriend, Irene, she is very strong, incredible, beautiful. Like I can go on and on about how amazing she is, but she has a past, right? And she has things that she's dealt with. And when she, when she has such a, an art of connecting with people because she goes first, she talks about what she struggled with and who she's been and what she's done. And like, I think her ability to create that space for someone else allows them to be more comfortable being themselves instead of the poster child of like, oh, this is what they're expecting me to be. I've got everything figured out, yep. you know, super interesting. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a physical space, but I think, I mean, we talk about holding space and conversation. So it's, it's all about that idea of space, which is like so ominous. It's like this fluid kind of intangible. Um, so that's a really unique response. I, I appreciate that. It, just to like close up that story you know, obviously it seems like it was well received, but like, what were, like, what were some of the things that you took away from that event in terms of like, oh, this is human nature. And this is how people want to be vulnerable. This is what we can do. Like, what were some of those um, takeaways that you had? There's some really weird things, man. Like, I remember being so in awe of everybody at that event. Not of myself, not of what we did. Like my team, yeah, but like, just so in awe of everybody else. Um, cause they all opened up more than I did. And there was one, one young man specifically, he talked about his little brother committing suicide. And it was to me, like, I didn't know that. And it's like, wow, I didn't ask. I didn't know. We don't ask. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We know these people. And it's like, wow. And I pride myself on getting to know people and asking the deepest questions. Like it's what I do to who I am, but still, I didn't know nothing. Um, and then like fast forward, I think a year, my little brother committed suicide and I was supposed to meet with that same young man that talked about it that same day, which was wild to me. And I was like, wow, I think I'm supposed to know this person. Like later on, I think I I said that, but biggest takeaway, man, it's like, we are so wrapped up in all the things that we have going on. It's like, everybody has something going on. Everybody has something going on. It's like just asking. And I know like we're in a COVID world, you know, but like, people want to share, people want to talk about these things. Like we just, we rarely give people the space. We don't pay attention. Like now when I'm in conversations, like I'm so in my head and I've always been like that, but like, I'm like, wow, like this person's like completely somewhere else. This person's thinking about that, even though I'm talking. Um, And when they're talking, I try to be as present as possible, but it's because things have happened in my life. You know, like we just, we don't care a lot of times about people, which is very, very sad. Um, Mm -hmm. So now I want to, I want to create these spaces where I am challenged to care about a stranger or about whoever it is that's speaking, but also just to provide space where everybody else will also care and everybody else has the the space to share and care. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is immense value across the board in just communicating and asking, you know, even if you talk about sales, right? So it's like someone says, no, just ask again and it might be different, but especially if someone has something on their heart that they're really dealing with that they want to relate with others on. They like, they feel this need to, to be accepted. And this is kind of the roadblock you know, the perceived roadblock. It's so hard to volunteer that information and to put it on someone else because you don't want them to have to carry your weight. But it sounds like there's very much this mutual interest and, you know, authentically, you know, with the right people and in the right spaces, but authentically getting to know people from like, 
what is going on? Not just tell me how it's going, but like what's going on. Um, and that, that event, you know, is obviously um, one of the more intimate ways of doing that in a very kind of yeah. personalized way. So no, I mean, I mean, context is so strong, man. And people forget that. Like I, I have my first job in like six, seven years. It's so weird to me. It's so cool though. But like one of my, one of my coworkers, like, um, I was talking to her and she's always been dope. I'm like, yeah, you're super dope. But we like actually talked and mm -hmm. it's like, wow, like I have context and you're so much cooler now. Like yeah. context is like, context is everything. But yeah. it's like, why don't we, why don't we want it? You know, or yeah. why don't we have the time to, to learn more? Yeah, those are the details, right? And, you know, Andy Grammer has a good song called The Good Parts. It's like, tell me your story and don't leave the good parts out, you know? And it's like, because that's what matters. Like that's, that's how you get to know somebody. Um, yeah. And I know, I think that there's, an incredible kind of like value to be found in that. And hopefully our society starts pushing in a way where vulner, and I think it is where vulnerability is, um, is an asset. It's something that people respect and admire versus shy away from and avoid. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we can continue to get there. Um, cool. And then just like a final topic, I think um, obviously you have a lot to offer on this. And even in the way you just told that story, you know, you clearly have a gift for it, but the idea of <laughs> storytelling um, and more largely kind of just effective communication, you know, storytelling is just a great way of getting people to pay attention because it just kind of biologically fits into the way we receive information from caveman days and, and beyond. Right. But I'd love to hear some of the kind of things that you've learned about stories and, you know, you have a TEDx about this. I encourage everyone to check it out. Um, but, you know, like, what are some of the things that you've learned about stories in terms of how it does potentially help you bridge this gap where, you know, people have this disconnect. There is this kind of misfit mentality that's built into it. And stories can be the vessel that ends up bridging the gap for others um, because it allows people to go into more detail and pay more attention and, and kind of cut through the fat quicker. But, but yeah, I mean, I'd love for you to kind of reflect on the value of storytelling and potentially as it relates to some of the stuff we already talked about. Yeah. Um, I, I can give you some tips. Um, I'll give context um, for that event that we did when I went up and said, and you can go watch the video and see this. Actually, we didn't show the whole video, but I think the podcast is up where you can like hear it. And I think audio is more powerful, honestly. But when I went up, I talked, I did that intro, like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And then I shared my story, but it wasn't a real story. It was just like, yeah, this is what I struggle with. Like people don't really care, um, which is why we did this event. Like, hey, like, how are, how's your blah, blah, blah. But can I be hired? Things like this. It wasn't powerful because it wasn't a story. And if it just started and ended with me and then people started jumping in, no one would have shared like they did. Mm -hmm. It was because of the second person, which I knew it was going to be more powerful than mine. It was the second person and she told a story and it was powerful and she connected with people and that prompted every single person to go up. Stories move because we think in stories, like literally like our brain lights up and like people start telling stories. Like that's how, that's how we view the world. Like we view it in story. Like, tell me about your childhood. You're going to play a story in your head, right? Like, oh yeah, like blah, 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 blah. This happened. Like it's narrative. So when it comes to actually telling stories, um, there's a lot of things. I think a lot of people get stuck in, okay, like this is how Quentin Allums tells stories. I need to copy this. Like, that's fine. You can start there. But I, by definition, am probably a terrible storyteller by like all the traditional things <laughs> you're supposed to do. Um, but I had an interesting conversation when I was 20 years old, like one of my first internships. And he's like, yeah, like I can tell you're all over the place. You'd like think a lot, like you probably have ADHD. I was like, yes, I do. Like you're, you're moving and moving and moving. But he's like, okay, that's fine. You can be that. But make sure that if you want to capture someone's attention or you're pitching 
slow down when you're saying something important and emphasize what you need to emphasize and control that emotion, control that room, and people will pay attention to you because you, you changed everything and they know that they need to pay attention to that thing now. And I've like, I've hold, I've held that, you know, like I'm still crazy. I move all the way around, but like I tell stories the way that I tell stories, you know? And I, again, going back to me creating videos, it was because I knew who I wanted to be. I knew how I wanted to communicate. It was a mix of like Jason Silva and my friend and Gary Vaynerchuk and Sophia Moroso. And then through that exploration, I found my way. I would say that is how you become a better storyteller. It's by doing it. You know, there's a lot of things in there. Make sure you're going from A to B. There's motion. Think back to like writing those thesis papers back in the day where it's like grab their attention, lead them on a journey, you know, like it's like a roller coaster. Like there's a lot of things in there. Um, but I would just say fall in love with stories, fall in love with telling stories. It's gotten to the point where I'm, putting on a movie or a TV show and I'm closing my eyes to just listen to how the story is told versus mm -hmm. like watching it because I'm so obsessed, like find that obsession and you'll get better. And if you're not obsessed, just do it more, you know, or listen to it more. And there's a lot of there's stories and everything. So it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to journal and write the story, or I'm going to do a podcast. Like you could play video games. You could just talk to a stranger and listen to their stories and identify. This is why I liked it. This is why I didn't. There's a lot of things in there, but I, I think it just comes down to doing it. But every, everybody knows how to tell a good story. It's just not everybody is good at telling stories in si certain situations, but we can be, yeah. especially if I can do it. <laughs> we can be. <laughs> wow, Q. Yeah, I mean, there are a number of takeaways from this conversation. I mean, I think it was a very real conversation, refreshingly so, because we're talking about how kind of superficial and materialistic the world can be as it relates to getting to know people. And I know one of your podcasts is called Stupid Deep. And I feel like we, we didn't go stupid deep. We went pretty deep. You know, I'm curious to know how much deeper you can get. But I just I thank you for the way that you show up in the world, the way that you have provided a voice for so many people, the way that your example has become something that has inspired and given hope to a lot of people in a similar situation. You know how you can relate through trauma um, and, you know, extract value from that as difficult as it is. And I just respect and appreciate you as a creator and as a man. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, my man. That's Q, the charismatic Quentin Allums. We got to hear not only about his story, but the lessons he learned along the way. The role ego plays in ambition and motivation. How to face off with your weaknesses. How to embrace your inner misfit and truly connect with others about what exists at your core. Creating spaces to help people be more comfortable talking about private topics and about storytelling. If you're like me and you want a little more of this guy, I recommend you sign up for his weekly newsletter, which is linked in the description of this episode, and check out his TEDx talk, which I also have linked. And if you liked this podcast and want to learn new ways to think about things and subtle ways to make positive change in pursuit of your goals, then I encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss anything moving forward. That's it. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.